Here's just a little thing before the episode proper starts. This kind of cracked me up where uh, it's this podcast called The Besties that I've been listening to for years and years. It's, uh, it's maybe my favorite video game podcast. It's a real good podcast. Anyway, one of the hosts, Griffin McElroy, this is a little clip of him talking about a book idea that he pitched about somebody from Alderaan who wasn't on the planet when it got blown up in the first Star Wars movie. And what would that be like to try to carry on the culture of your planet that blew up? And, you know, that kind of made my ears perk up because I'm like, oh, that's like the book I'm writing. And I always kind of wonder, like, what is this book that I'm writing? Is it for grown-ups? Is it a young adult book? Where would this fit? And I never thought it would be for, like, young readers, but this definitely confirms that this, this idea, the idea of somebody who's a survivor of a gigantic mass cataclysm, this is not appropriate for the ten and under crowd. This show is a, it's a Spotify show, so I don't know how to grab the audio and put it directly in the podcast. So I'm just going to play it. I'm just going to play it from my phone into the recorder. I think, is there, I'm going to ask a question. I'm kind of on uh, pins and needles here because I could be really, uh, I don't know, outing myself as a monster, but like. I have seen Alderaan explode so many times <laughs> yeah. that I don't really... It, and I understand. I mean, we're talking about, like, what, terracide? I forget what it's called when you blow up an entire planet and everybody on it is is killed. It's so bad. I feel like... But I feel like if you really tried to internalize that, nobody could make it through A New Hope. Like, people... Yeah. Were there people in theaters seeing A New Hope and then the Death Star blows up Alderaan and people are like... What the fuck? There were you just killed billions of people. The weeping like, in the seats. I think you got it's so cartoonishly awful that I don't think you can even come close to internalizing it. So <laughs> that you extrapolate that by like you just don't care about it. a ship gets blo- bigs and wedge get blown out of the sky and you're like, oh well, okay. Yeah, yeah. If you look at like all of the Star Wars canon, Alderaan is that planet that got blown up by Darth Vader. That's like. You had to be watching that thing like, man, no one's going to remember we had killer chili dogs on Alderaan. It's just like, they're only going to remember that we got blown up. I pitched a, I, I got asked like, hey, do you want to pitch a Star Wars, uh, like young adult, like comic series uh, after I did the uh, certain point of view thing? And they were like, you can come up with whatever pitch you want. I was like, oh, hell yeah. What if I do a book about uh, like a, a kid who was like off world when Alderaan got blown up? And like, what does it look like to like try and preserve the culture of your exploded planet and like preserve the history of it and i pitched that to lucas uh to to not lucas arts whatever like you know uh, publishing house handles those books and uh, the person who offered me was like uh you know what we're gonna pass on this it's pretty that would be pretty heinous bud that would be a little too dark for our uh seven to ten year olds that we want to read this book yeah darth vader blew of a planet like are we just gonna pretend like it didn't happen yeah just because like poor pig dressed like Darth Vader one time it doesn't mean that he didn't blow up a planet this sucks I saw him as a little boy he said wizard yeah he blew up a planet he blew up a whole fucking planet but he killed the old wrinkly lightning man yeah but he blew up a whole planet it's actually wild that you get to see his ghost like chilling and watching his family he should be burning in In space hell (laughs) he should be burning in space hell uh yeah okay we have one last question uh this is from Gene 
Test, test, test. Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. I actually, just the other day, I recorded an episode that I haven't put out yet. So I'm going to flip-flop these. I'm going to put this one out first, but uh, the next one. <laughs> I was super exhausted, and it's like, no, man, come on, get out of the house. Got to go for your little woods walk and go do your fucking exercise in the woods and soak up the last hour of daylight while you can. And I drank so much coffee. I drank, like, two of those, like, big monster cans and I was freaked out and it's a classic Keith on too much caffeine freaking out about society episode so if you're a fan of those in the past of like you gotta take the reins of your life don't just do what everyone wants you to do go be crazy you can do it that's coming up next so look forward to that but today nice quiet contemplative episode instead because this is just uh, the same kind of patterns that have been recurring throughout this process of writing a novel, but I just thought I would kind of update the state of them, where when I started this podcast, I was on chapter 12 of the book, and I was three months into the process. And I was talking about how just the writing a little bit every day was going pretty quick, like it was going at a pretty good pace. It seemed like maybe in a year I would have my first draft done. And then uh, every once in a while, somebody drops me a line and uh, it's always a little weird because they want to talk about stuff that I talked about a long time ago. You know, they're early on in the podcast, so they'll send me an email of like, oh, this thing you said. And I'm like, what? sorry now, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> but sometimes I'll like go back if they mention a specific episode or something, I'll go back and listen to it and be like, oh yeah, listen to that. So that happened the other day, and I was listening to a podcast from, I guess, like a year and a half in or so. Anyway, I figured out, I just uh, was at whatever chapter, 30-some at that point, and I figured out that in the time I had been writing, with the number of chapters that I had, that just inadvertently my number was a new chapter about every two weeks. Again, it wasn't a goal, it wasn't something I pushed myself to do. I just went at my own kind of natural daily pace. I made sure I wrote every day, but I didn't push it. And that's what came out, it was approximately a chapter every two weeks. And again, I was like, you know, a little slower than before, but pretty good. It must have been about a year in, because at that point, yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, I bet by two years in, I'm gonna have this all sewn up. And then last year when I went to Amsterdam and Japan, I think that was the last time I did a little test of how long these things were taking because I was writing so slow while I traveled. And it was like, whoa, way slower. It was like a new chapter every two months or so. And I thought maybe it was just because of traveling and uh, all the other stuff going on and just the different stresses of that and excitingness of that and just, you know, that my mind was somewhere else. But I don't think I ever really recovered from that pace, you know? It stayed about there, and if not, slower. I don't know, I didn't do any uh, number crunching this time, just... I'm on chapter 43, and yeah, again, I've just been on chapter 43 forever, and it's going so slow, and I'm beyond the two-year mark at this point, and it's like, whoa, so slow. And like, today's another day where you know, it's fall, so it becomes dark very early in Canada. I was really wiped out, but it's like I went and laid down to take a little nap, and I'm like, no, dude, you just can't. Like, you've only got a little bit of time left where the sun's actually up. 
It's also this perfect time of year where the mosquitoes are finally gone, but it's not crazy cold. I've got gloves, but I'm not wearing them right now. It's okay, so I can actually sit in the woods and do writing. And, you know, come out here and do my woods exercise and shit that I do. It's like, no, come on, push, go do it, go write. And I was just sitting here, I just did some squats with a big log, and then I sat down and it's like, okay, let's do a little writing. Which, even that, just that little thing, it does help to do a little exercise first. Just to loosen up the brain, just to get the juices flowing, get things moving. And yeah, this chapter has just been, it's, it's a subtle problem. It's just the characters talking. But I mean, that's the same chapter I talked about a couple episodes ago where I came up with some shit for the ending, but like, you know, the song that makes me think of Quaylum or whatever. I mean, that was at least a month ago, and that's still this same chapter. But it's not a clear problem. Like, I remember this happened when I was in Vancouver when I first got back from Japan. I had a chapter where I was trying to describe a particularly tricky part of the plot, and I had to scrap the whole thing and start over. So that was a hard chapter, but at least it was clear why it was hard. This one is just slippery. It's like one of those eels that when they pick it up, it just starts exuding tons of goopy slime. Have you ever seen that shit? And it's like the hardest thing to hold on to. This thing is just really slow and taking forever and is really hard to write. And I'm not really sure why, because it is just the characters talking. And it's basically, Sarat the Rhino Girl is now keyed into the station. Her and the station are connected. Squid Boy Quaylum, he sort of suspects that something like that maybe is happening, but he doesn't really have enough evidence, and it's too crazy. It's too unlikely and too weird, and the ramifications of it are too disastrous and terrifying. He doesn't really want to believe it, and he doesn't really have enough reason to believe it, but he knows something weird is going on. And then they're just having kind of one of their classic conversations about, like, fucking... Here's what I think, and here's what you think. Here's why I think I'm cool, and here's why I think you fucking suck. <laughs> but it's just going so slow, and it's taking forever. But today, just now, I just had... Again, this isn't even a new idea. It's something that's come up in the story before, but it's really helping with this chapter, is... is I don't want this book to be too prescriptive of philosophy. Like, oh, here's what I think, here's how you should act, here's what you should do. I mean, it is kind of what it is, but it's just, you know, this character is a crazy rhino fuck, you know? I want to be like, okay, I do kind of believe these things, and I think there's merit to these ideas about just blasting forward in life and pushing through, and like I said, the next episode, when you hear that, it's all about this shit. I do believe in that kind of stuff, but, but I don't want it to just be a tiresome tract. I don't want this book to be some kind of sermon. I want it to be clear that this is a worldview. This is a potential take. And it's a way that I clearly lean quite heavily, but I don't want to just try to push it on people because it's fuck that, you know, that's tiresome. I don't like that shit. And I think that's where I was kind of getting stuck with this chapter is, you know, the firebrand rhino is like, you got to get out of here. Why are you just spending your life on this space station where you were born and you just do scientific research till retirement age and then you leave? Like, fuck that, fuck all of that, that's insane. And I guess maybe it was a little unbalanced, because that is insane. That is fucking nuts. <laughs> this fucking Quailum the Jellyfish Boy should get the fuck out of here. So I needed a way to shake it up a little, or make it a little more nuanced, or just to give it more texture, to give it more layers. And what I just figured out today is Surratt's going on this big rant about, like, you know, your people believe in the elders. Oh, we should just 
pay attention to our elders. They must know what's best for us. But what do they do for you? They lead you down this path of this blandness and this wasted life and this, you're just a cog in their machine. They're not wiser because they're old. They fucking suck. They've already failed. The fact that they're just old, boring nobodies is proof that they didn't do anything useful in life. They didn't change the world. Their age is a detriment. It doesn't make them wise. It makes them the opposite of that. It makes them stupid old fucks. And she says how like her people, my people weren't like that. My people believed that youth was important. Youth is where the ideas come from. Youth is where change comes from. And what I just came up with is an idea that has come up before in the book, but it fits so well here, is that she is from the fringes of her society. She's from an obscure colony somewhere. She's never been to the major cities. She's never been to the capitals. Her whole planet blew up because her people were doing dangerous scientific research, you know? Her people aren't just fringe barbarians, you know? But she doesn't have any conception of any of that. She doesn't know anything about that. Where Qualum does. Qualum has studied her people a bunch. He knows, in a book sense, way more about her people than she does. So he's finally just, like, fed up. He's getting tired of this fucking rhetoric. And he's like, that is not true. That is not even true. You don't even know your own people. You don't even know what they're like. Oh, are all your leaders kids then? Is that what you guys do? Because you don't. You don't do that. (laughs) And that kind of puts her off balance, but she just comes back with, well, it doesn't matter, does it? Because they're gone. That doesn't matter. That shit doesn't exist anymore. What does exist is me. What does exist is right here. And I'm telling you, you know? So, I mean, at this point, she's lost the argument. She's just recontextualizing it in this dumb way of just like, well, hey, I am the Therium now. I am these people. What I say goes. I make up the rules for our race, and I'm telling you what they are. And on top of that, I'm telling you that they're right. And, you know, it just, (laughs) it's like, I finally got to the point in this chapter where this is where I want to be. I don't want one character to sermonize to the other. I want both characters in their own way. I mean, I clearly lean toward the rhino girl. I clearly believe in her philosophy a lot more. But I don't want to just do the paper tiger. I don't want to do the straw man. I don't want to just... I don't just want to give the other side a kick because I made up the other side. Like, what would that say about me if I just set up the other side of the argument to be defeated, you know? I don't want that. So I hit a nice balance in in this chapter where she still ultimately has the power in the situation, but she can't tell him that she does. She can't reveal yet that her and the station are in cahoots and that things are going to happen. She just has to bite her tongue. And for this particular little verbal melee, she just really has no leg to stand on. She just gets destroyed. Despite the fact that I do think she's right. I do think this guy needs to leave his boring life. He needs to move on. And he's going to have to move on because the whole place is going to blow up. And she's kind of trying to tell him that. Like, you need to get ready for this idea. You need to get ready for what's going to happen when you can't stay here anymore because that is coming. And basically the point, the overall point, is the same thing that I've been noticing all throughout writing this novel. Is it's going slow and slower and slowest (laughs) and beyond slowest. But at every stage, I keep finding that that's how it has to go. Like, if I go too fast and I just skirt past these things, I just won't get to where I'm trying to get to. 
You know, if I just was like, fuck this chapter, I've had enough. Let's just bear down on it. Let's force my way through. Let's just get to the next chapter. That classic, like, I'll do it on the next edit thing. But I just, I just can't do that, you know? Not with this book. Not with, I mean, isn't this the classic thing they say is like when you're working on stuff? Like, you probably overthink the first one. You probably work too hard on the first one. You try too hard on the first one. And you realize after maybe you didn't have to do that. But that's where I'm at. This is the first one. This is the first novel I'm actually going to finish writing. Even if I realize later that maybe I didn't need to labor over it this much and maybe I didn't need to be this careful and maybe my subconscious could catch more of these things than I'm giving it credit for, maybe I would have ended up okay in the end if I didn't meticulously make my way through these little granular moments in every single chapter. Maybe I'll find that out later, but right now I just can't do that. I don't trust myself to do that. I need to go as slow as it has to go for everything to be as well developed as it can be, as carefully constructed as it can be. I just need to know for myself, like I need to feel in myself that I didn't miss any of these moments, you know, that each one of these chapters, it's weird because I know when I read the next draft, I'm going to feel a lot differently. A lot of this stuff is just going to go and I'll just be like, what was this? This isn't important. Cut, cut, cut. Get rid of all this shit. But right now, I just, as hard as this project is and as slow as it's going, if I was to just push my way past this chapter and leave myself with something I didn't feel confident in, I just think that would hurt this whole project. This idea of sitting down and working on it every day, I think that's where that kind of like spiritual erosions would start, you know, where it would be really hard to keep sitting down every day if I didn't believe in this anymore. If I didn't believe this was the best book that it could be. So just these little moments like this, they're so important, whether or not they actually are. They're just important to me. They're important to me at this fledgling point in being a writer that I can't leave clear weaknesses. If I see something that isn't strong enough, that I didn't work on hard enough, that I didn't think about hard enough, I can't just leave that there. I have to just go a fucking inch at a time, then a millimeter at a time, just these smaller and smaller increments at a time until I figure it out, until I solve the little puzzle. So even though, yeah, like as the story goes, it just, as I get further along in the process and deeper into the book, the process just gets slower and slower and slower and slower and slower and slower. But it doesn't matter because it didn't stop. You know, it's one of those things that things can get infinitely slower. It doesn't matter. It can keep getting slower. It can be so slow as long as it doesn't stop. You know? The fucking entropy, heat, death of the universe, whatever. It's not going to happen. The story's not going to fail. This fucking process of writing a novel is not going to fail as long as I don't stop. It can just keep going. It can go as slow as it fucking wants. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and it's just nice that today it's like one of those little assurances that it's still working. The process is still working. And it's, I don't know, it's like I'm working on a Rubik's Cube that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, this chapter took 
way longer to solve because it's not a three by three by three anymore. It's a 20 by 20 by 20 Rubik's cube and I'm just like, oh my fucking God, holy shit. And obviously again, this is all, it's all abstract. It's all just my own, it's all in my own head. You know, only I can know what the solution is. Only I can know when the fucking cube is solved. But I do know, I can feel it. And just today, it's like, ah, oh, oh. <laughs> there you go. That's what you were trying to get toward. So, yeah, that's all. That's all this episode is. It's just, uh, let's just lay down the same exact processes, the same exact advice, the same exact shit that's been happening for the past two and two and a half years, whatever. It's all still the same, but it's all still true and it's all still working. It's going really, really slow, but it's still going. And not only am I just continuing the process of writing and I haven't quit yet, which again, this is still such a miracle. Over two years of writing almost every day, that's fucking nuts. I mean, my previous record was not even close to this, you know? And conceptually, philosophically, whatever, quality-wise, you know, whatever it is I'm trying to get out of this book, whatever notion I'm trying to put forward, or whatever philosophies or ideas or whatever I'm trying to fucking distill, I'm still finding them, you know? Like, I'm still... I set up the goal, I set up the bullseye, I invented the imaginary fucking bow and arrow, and now I'm shooting at it, and it's all in my own head, but it's still working. You know, to me, bing bullseye, it took you so fucking long to hit that bullseye, but you did. Now this chapter is finally a little breakthrough, it probably won't actually be that tough to finish up this chapter now. Then move on to the next one and do it all over again. Chapter 44, you know, and who the fuck knows, man. I mean, I, I'm surprisingly close to where I thought I would be. I remember saying ages ago that about chapter 50 felt like the ending. I think it's going to be a little further than that, but surely no more than like 55. I don't want to just keep dragging this out now. Things are moving. Tumblers are moving. Snowballs are fucking snowballing downhill. And now it's, uh, it's pretty dark. Got dark so fast. <laughs> I guess I just need to start, like, as soon as I wake up, I just gotta come outside here and do my wood shit, because all I did today was do some editing on the little Buffy podcast that I'm doing with my friends. Did my little daily quests in Magic the Gathering, and it's like, well, here we are. End of the day. It's like, fuck, how did that happen? But in the winter especially, if I'm gonna not go crazy, Winter again, man. Can you believe this shit? Fucking COVID. <laughs> All last winter was just me complaining about being in this dumb hometown. Here we are. Here we are. Haven't gone anywhere. Not going anywhere. Gonna be stuck here for the time being. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta just, gotta make this the priority. Get up and go outside and get the sunlight and get the exercise and get the fresh air right away because this is a luxury that it's getting dark at like 7.30. Soon it's gonna, has the time change happened? Oh, that's gonna fuck shit. I'm gonna fuck shit bad, but yeah, it gets dark at like 5 p.m. around here, it's gonna suck. But anyway, there's the update. Process is still processing. For song of the day, let's listen to Kyoto by Phoebe Bridgers. So this is a dude, Ben, that I know. He sent me this album and he's like, hey, I have a feeling you would like this album. 
And uh, most of it didn't really sink in, except the very last song on the album, uh, This Is The End, I think it's called. That song's really good. And then the next one that got me is the song Kyoto. Who knows, maybe slowly the whole album will get me one at a time. <laughs> but these are the two songs that got me. And uh, man, what a great little song. This song is really good. I'm pretty sure listening to this song that it's about a dad, you know, because it's about like, hey, I heard you called on my brother's birthday. You were 10 days off, but at least you tried, you know, and hey, you wrote me this letter about how you're trying to sober up and get your life together. People. Notice that there's a lot of night joggers. Hey, you wrote me a letter about how you're fucking trying to sober up, but you said I don't have to read it, and just, uh, it really feels like just uh, an estranged dad song. But how I like to think about it is, is what if this was, like, a song from an ex-boyfriend? You know, this girl's talking about her ex-boyfriend, and it's like, hey, it's cool that you're trying to get your shit together, and you're trying to stop drinking so much, and, uh, oh, I heard you called my little brother on his birthday. That was a nice, nice attempt. You know, and it's like this, it's like, hey, it's a shame we can't get back together. It would be nice if we could, but we just can't. But hey, at least you're trying. Keep on keeping on, pal. <laughs> That's the view I like to take of this song. It's just catchy, though. What a catchy fucking song. So here's Kyoto by Phoebe Bridgers. Thank you for listening.
driving out into the sun Let the ultraviolet cover me up We're looking for a creation mess Ended up with a pair of cracked lips Windows down, scream along